Hello, lovely people, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlach from Think Chat, and this is confession number 71. We are looking at designing other school spaces. This week, I'm excited to report to you from New London, Connecticut. It's a beautiful seaside town in New England in the United States and has a lot of history within its six square miles. And I'm working here with the PYP school to restructure the library according to the six transdisciplinary themes, as well as genreifying their novels and creating a lower primary section and a place for the learner profile and key concepts to come to life. This has been such an amazing project for myself. It, I've done this with my own school library last year, and I love creating a space where learners are going to become independent little readers. And that's why we became teachers, right? We want our children to thrive. And isn't that the best part of teaching? And this process really sparked an internal debate within me about a singular question. When thinking about learning space design, do we consider other spaces around the school besides the homeroom class? And I'd venture to say most of us have not, which is something I want to examine in this podcast episode. So think about other spaces beyond a homeroom classroom um, in regards to learning space design. We're going to look at different spaces in general and look at them of how can we make them more learner driven and think about these spaces as we go through them. The school library, which is first on my list, but then we have the computer lab, right? We have the music room, possibly the gymnasium or outdoor play area, the science lab, the art room and the counseling center and several others probably, right? that I haven't listed, and I'm sorry you're not on this list, but I thought of the most common ones that schools have. And other spaces that might not be necessarily learning spaces, but a lot of learning is happening is the front office and the nurse's office. So as I'm considering all these spaces around the school, I've examined the needs of different types of learners like we've been talking about. How do these different types of learners engage within these other spaces. And, you know, although they're inspired by them, of course, these strategies can be used for all learners, not just for language learners or gifted and talented or learners with um, disabilities. So, but I'm gonna, they sparked the idea. That's the main thing, right? So when I'm thinking about language learners, I'm, and I'm thinking about that learning space design for a language learner. Some ideas that came to mind naturally were, you know, picture word labels and, and primary language act or home language representation. And this can benefit all learners. I'm saying that clearly. But when I'm thinking in particular about language learners, I'm thinking about how can we help them navigate through the day and it not there we lift up some of the obstacles for them now we've talked about homeroom labeling creating pictures but how does that look like around the rest of the school and oftentimes because specialists and supporting teachers feel like they're 
I hate to say it, but they're on the side. They're there to support the school. And the homeroom teachers tend to kind of take all the all the sunshine and glory. And specialist teachers quickly realize their role. And so their classrooms reflect that role. And what I want to think about is how are we making them equal? It's always about that. The equality of it all, not just for the teachers, but for their learners when they come in. And I noticed that there is a difference between classroom management systems within homeroom and within specialists and supporting classroom teachers. Oftentimes when they go to specials, as they call it in, in my part of the world, there's behavior, more increased behavior issues, systems are not in place. And I think a huge part of that is that the systems within the classroom and the way classrooms are designed are not systematic and that impacts learner behavior. So we're going to take a look at um, some things that we can do to possibly decrease that. So thinking about learning space design from the lens of the language learner, they always benefit from the items in the classroom being labeled with pictures and words. Bar none, right? For instance, I'm thinking about um, an experience that I was fortunate enough I was able to restructure our lower elementary or primary um, science lab last year. And I was able to reconfigure and put material like materials together, you know, the um, materials that deal with measurement, but also force and motion materials. So it was easier for teachers to navigate. And then I started labeling the outside of the doors because it was, you know, standard wood cabinets. And instead of just the words, I put the pictures. And as we're increasing in student interaction within these labs, now learners are able to go into cabinets without the teacher to get materials, to initiate their own inquiries. This is what we need, right? So because we have a lot of learners who understand what these materials are, what's their usage, and they're having to code switch between languages. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just make it so it was more universal? Then, you know, as I'm going into the music room, how are, for instance, how am I making sure that primary language is represented in all specialists and supporting classrooms? So when I'm thinking of, you know, I'm giving an example of a music room, is there a space where all children see and experience their own language within the classroom design? So what I naturally come to music for that. That's my go-to. Doesn't mean that it can't be in other places, but with music, it's so simple to incorporate music from other cultures, right? Same with art, right? And, and how do we do that, right? How do we incorporate that in regards to the physicality of it? Are we allow, allowing children to be able to represent their language within the labeling as well? Having somehow incorporating that or within the act engagements that they're doing. So what do I mean by that? Like, for instance, um, in regards to the language of their learners, how can you do a simple song in English and have them go home to their families and have them translate that into their primary language and then come teach it back to fellow classmates. That's something simple. 
doesn't take a lot of prep, but it's incorporating that primary language. And I know it's a teaching strategy, but those types of things help to build that international mindedness and that mindset within the classroom that all languages are represented. Right. And so, and I'm also looking at in regards to um, from the lens of that language learner, are all classrooms curated with the same similar process? We know how classrooms are designed in the homeroom, but are there similar looking features even within the specialist and supporting classrooms? Are there similar things we're looking for? And this is something to consider when establishing a school culture of learning space design. And just because a teacher may be instructing in the gym or within a lab, they can have similar elements of design so language learners do not have to unlearn and relearn in every setting and it'll increase their confidence as they navigate throughout the day so think about that so now let's switch to the gifted and talented learner once again all of these strategies apply to all children they just sparked um, different ideas and when i think of the gifted and talented learner i naturally go towards a bookstore layout to the space. Um, the gifted learner likes a space that's purposeful and orderly, so they can manipulate materials to create on their own. And once again, all learners benefit from this type of learning design. So how can we make that happen? So a question that comes to my mind, is the learning design layout intuitive and bookstore style? So what do I mean by this? Are the materials in the you know, the learning spaces beyond the homeroom organized and labeled. That's huge. Can learners find materials easily so they can independently work on their own? And I naturally think of one of my favorite places, which is called Barnes and Noble, and they are all around the world. But what I love about going into Barnes and Noble, I know what to anticipate. When I walk in the front door, before I even get into the main part of the bookstore, there's going to be clearance books to the, to the side of me that I can see, ooh, you know, and it's usually craft related. Then I walk into the door and boom, immediately to the right of the magazines, there's the cafe that I can get a little frappe. Then um, to the left of me are like the clearance books, usually coffee table books and Sudoku and different calendar stuff. And then as I go beyond, then there's the stationery. And at times I'm going to want to go to the craft section to learn how to stretch my creativity. But other times I'm going to want a good fantasy book and I love YA fantasy and I'll head there. And, and then other times I'm going to want to go to the children's section to find a really good picture book to share either at a training or work with students. Depending on my mood that day, I need to know the layout of the space so that I can navigate to meet my needs. So is your room set up like that? Can learners come and navigate for their needs? Are the materials such as an art room organized intuitively for a style of art or for a purpose so that learners can manipulate on their own. Once again, on their own. 
And what I'm also thinking about this gifted and talented learner, what they spark is thinking about those spaces that aren't designed for creation, um, such as the school library and counseling center. Are there maker spaces in these places to allow learners to create on their own? So usually when we think of school library, we think of books or a media center, but more and more libraries are starting to include maker spaces and Lego walls and things like that. Can we have them also in the counseling room so that it decompresses children uh, who, and also helps them to formulate and plan ideas, right? If you're gifted, talented learners, they need time to think and innovate and having such a Lego wall or maker space helps them to tinker with materials, also with ideas, and then they can go off. So think about that. Where are you creating uh, opportunity for innovation to happen? Now, finally, thinking of our learners with disabilities. When I'm thinking with learners with disabilities, I naturally you know, think of access to resources and places to decompress. All learners benefit from this. So how can we incorporate them to a wider variety of spaces. So accessibility to resources, one of the greatest obstacles for to learner independence. And when a teacher controls all the materials being housed behind closed shelves, they're sending a message to their learners. These are my materials and this is my space. Back off. And unfortunately, I have to admit, I was one of those teachers at the beginning of my career, especially when I moved abroad, because uh, although schools abroad had a lot of resources, they sometimes didn't have the right resources for me, you know, in particular. And so then when I would come home, you know, for holidays, I'd bring an extra suitcase and go shopping for those resources I had to have. And because there was a scarcity, when I saw students not carefully taking care of those resources, I'd hoard them. But are those items so precious that learners can't use them? You know, at what cost is that, right? And so that really made me think and reprioritize the usage of materials with my learners because it requires trust on both parts. In particular with learners with disabilities, you know, I had to rethink about where are my commonly used resources and are they accessible to children that are physically, possibly in a wheelchair or physically not able to move readily around the classroom, right? Because you might have that. And so I constantly thought about them that the materials were at their level so that they could access them easily and once again, become independent. And one of the best things I did as a teacher was to provide a place for learners to decompress. We call this the chill out zone. We've talked about this. But the one thing I wanna think about as we go into non-homeroom spaces, do they have a chill out zone? Is there a chill out zone that's not punitive in the front office? Now we're talking, right? Is there a place where children in the music room and the science lab have a place that if they're being overwhelmed and they need to regroup and they want to not lash out at anyone, they are having a moment, they need to chill out. Is there a space for that? Think about that. 
Because once again, this is going to impact the effectiveness of your lessons. You know, it's going to help um, your children to um, de-escalate themselves, take ownership of the process, and then be able to gently re-enter into the process. And, and I'm not talking about anything major. One thing that comes to mind in PE is a hula hoop. Put the hula hoop in the corner and call it the chill out zone. Child goes into that hula hoop and sits down. They're not to be bothered because they're they're self-reflecting and trying to regroup. Easy peasy, right? So I know this has been an episode that's been all over the place. But when I think about learning space design and how it influences child behavior, but also child progression, it floors me that so many classrooms outside of the homeroom don't have some of these features. And, oh, it's because it's the specialist teacher. Mm-mm. It should be throughout the day, right? Because we all teach these babies. We all engage with them. And so shouldn't we all have the same kind of things that administrators are looking for um, as they go throughout the day? We might not all have the same way of utilizing the space, but we might. But having the similar features really helps our students. Think about it. All right, friends, that's another episode. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day. Talk to you soon.